You're listening to the Mystical City of God in your podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. And if you would like to discuss today's readings, don't forget to go over to the Facebook group page, and there you can interact with others who are reading and following and listening along. Today is Day 55, and we are reading from Volume 1, Book 2, Chapter 4, Paragraphs 472 to 480. 472. In the performance of works not commanded her, our queen and lady distinguished herself from other maidens by asking her teacher to be allowed to serve them all and be engaged in the humble occupation of scrubbing and cleaning the rooms and of washing the dishes. Although this seemed extraordinary, especially in one of the firstborn children, who were treated with greater consideration and respect, yet the incomparable humility of the heavenly princess could not be restrained or confined by any consideration of what was due to her position, but reached out for the most humble occupations. With such an eager humility, she knew how to gain time and opportunity for doing such work, that she was beforehand in assuming the tasks of others. By means of her infused science, she understood all the mysteries and ceremonies of the temple, but she was anxious to learn them also by study and practice, as if she were ignorant of them, nor did she ever fail in any ceremony or duty, no matter how small. She was most eager for humiliation and most submissive in her self-contempt. Every morning and evening she asked the blessing of her teacher and kissed her hand, and the same she did whenever she was ordered or was permitted to perform works of humility. Sometimes when it was allowed her, she kissed her feet with profound humility. 473. The sovereign princess was so docile, so sweet and friendly in her actions, so ready to serve and eager and diligent in humbling herself, so anxious to show kindness and esteem toward all the maidens in the temple obeying them as if each had been her mistress, that she ravished all the hearts. By her ineffable and heavenly prudence, she proceeded in all her actions in such a manner that she never lost an occasion for engaging in lowly work, in humble service of her companions, and in the fulfillment of the divine pleasure. 474. But what shall I, most vile creature, and what shall all faithful children of the Catholic Church think when describing and considering such a vivid example of humility? It seems to us great virtue when the inferior obeys the superior, the lowly yields to the exalted, and we esteem it a great humility that the equal submit to his equal. But when the inferior commands and the superior obeys, when the queen humbles herself before her slave, When the most holy and the most perfect of all creatures submits to a mere wormlet, the queen of heaven and the earth, to the least of women, and when this is done with all her heart and in all sincerity, who is not astonished and confounded in his vapid pride, who will not see, as in a clear mirror, his unhappy presumption? Who can convince himself that he knows what true humility is, much less exercise it when he sees it exhibited in its reality and in its own element, the Most Holy Mary. Let us souls who live under the vow of obedience approach this light in order to perceive and correct the disorders which show themselves whenever obedience to our God-given superiors requires renouncement of our whims and therefore becomes hard and troublesome. 
Here, let our hardness be crushed. Let the proudest humiliate herself and be confounded in her shameful pride. Let her banish all presumption and let her not account herself obedient and humble, because on certain occasions she has yielded to the superiors. For she is yet far from thinking herself inferior and beneath her companion, as Mary did, who is superior to all. 475. The beauty, grace, elegance, and courteousness of our queen was incomparable, for all the natural graces and gifts which were hers in a most perfect degree were reinforced by the splendor of supernatural or divine grace, and effected a marvelous union of grace and beauty in all her being and activity, enthralling all in love and admiration of her. Divine providence moderated these outward demonstrations of this affection, which those who conversed with her would have shown if they had been left to the natural force of their spontaneous love of the queen. In eating and in sleep, as in all other virtues, she was most perfect. She observed the measure dictated by temperance. Never did she exceed, nor could she. Rather, she deducted from the necessary. Although her curtailed sleep did not interrupt her high contemplation, as I have said before, yet she would have gladly omitted it altogether. In virtue of obedience, however, she retired to rest at the time appointed, and on her humble and poor couch, strewn with the flowers of virtue, Canticle 115, and surrounded by the seraphim and the angelic host who guarded and assisted her. She enjoyed more exalted contemplation outside of beatific vision and more ardent ecstasies of love than all of them together. 476. She divided her time and applied it with a rare prudence so as to give to each of her actions and occupations its proper share. She read much in the sacred writings of the ancients, and by means of her infused signs, she was so well versed in them and in all their profound mysteries that none of them was unfamiliar to her. For the Most High made known to her all their mysteries and sacraments. She treated and conversed about them in her conferences with the holy angels of her guard, familiarizing herself with them and asking about them with incomparable intelligence and great acuteness. If this sovereign mistress had written what she understood, we would have many other additions to the sacred scriptures, and we would be able to draw out of them a perfect understanding of those writings and the deep meanings and mysteries of all those preserved in the church. All the plenitude of the science she utilized for the worship, praise, and love of God. To this she applied all knowledge, without allowing one ray of her divine enlightenment to remain sterile or idle. She was most subtle in discourse most profound in her intelligence, most exalted and loving in her thoughts, most prudent in her choice and arrangement, most efficacious and sweet in her operations, and in all things, she was a most perfect example and an object of admiration for men and angels, and even in a way for the Lord himself, who had formed her altogether according to his heart and pleasure. Instruction of the Sovereign Mistress 477 my daughter, human nature is imperfect and remiss in practicing virtue and easily weakens in its exercise, for it continually seeks rest and evades labor with all its might. When the soul listens to and extemporizes with the animal and the carnal part of its nature, this latter will engross and overcome the forces of reason and of the spirit and will reduce them to a dangerous and shameful slavery. This disorder is abominable and much to be feared by all, but God abhors it without comparison, more in his ministers and in religious. They, as a matter of course, are supposed to be perfect, 
and therefore are injured so much the more seriously if they do not come out victorious in the conflict of the passions. By remissness in battle and by their frequent defeats, they live themselves into a paralyzing and self-satisfied conviction of false security. Content with the performance of certain easy outward practices of virtue, at the same time imagining without the least real advancement that they are moving mountains. The demon then introduces other distractions and temptations. Now on account of their small appreciation of the rules and practices of religion, they begin to weaken in all of them, esteem them as light, an unimportant matter, and living out in their false security come to lose the very perception of true virtue. 478. I desire that thou, my daughter, guard against this error. Remember that a voluntary remissness in regard to one imperfection prepares and opens the way for others. These facilitate the commission of venial sins, these again of mortal sins. Thus the descent is from one abyss to another, until the bottom is found in the disregard of all evil. In order to prevent such a misfortune, it is necessary to intercept from afar the current of sin. For the practice or ceremony, which seems but small, is an outwork, which keeps the enemy at a distance, while the precepts and laws concerning more important matters are the fortress walls of conscience. If the demon can break through and gain the outer defenses, he is in better position to gain the inner ones. If then an opening is made in the bulwarks of the commission of sin, although it may not be a very grievous one, he already has a better opportunity to make an assault on the interior reign of a soul. As the soul finds herself weakened by vicious acts and habits, and without strength of grace, she does not resist the attack with fortitude, and the devil, acquiring more and more power over her, begins to subject and oppress her without opposition. 479. Consider therefore now, my dearest, how great must be thy watchfulness, and how great is the necessity of not falling asleep in the midst of so many dangers. Remember that thou art a religious, a spouse of Christ, a superior taught and enlightened, favor with so many singular blessings. By these privileges and many others which thou wilt find connected with them, thou shouldst gauge thy solicitude, for thou owest a return and correspondence in all of them to the Lord. Exert thyself to be punctual in the fulfillment of all the rules and practices of religion. Let there be no rule, no command, and no exercise of perfection, Whichever will seem small to thee, despise or forget none of them. Observe them all with rigor, for in the eyes of God all is precious and of great import when practiced according to his pleasure. It is certain that he finds pleasure in seeing his commands fulfilled, and is offended in seeing them set aside. Therefore in all things consider that thou hast a spouse, whom thou must please a God, whom thou must serve, a father, whom thou must obey, a judge, whom thou must fear, and a mistress whom thou shouldst imitate and follow. 480. In order that thou mayest fulfill all this, thou must renew in thy soul the strong resolution not to listen to thy inclinations, not to yield to the negligence and weakness of thy nature. Do not omit any practice or exercise on account of its difficulty, as, for instance, kissing the ground, as thou hast been accustomed to do according to the custom of the religious. Both small and great perform the loving constancy, and thus thou wilt be pleasing in the eyes of my son and myself. In the works of supererogation, after praying for a holy alacrity, ask advice of thy confessor and superior, and perform them with a spirit entirely free of predilection or of self-love. That which they direct, except and write in thy heart, 
never resting in its punctual fulfillment. If it is possible to avail thyself of obedience and counsel, never decide for thyself on anything, how good soever it may appear to thee, for the true will of God is always manifest in holy obedience. This concludes our reading today for day 55. We were reading from book 2, chapter 4, and we finished chapter 4 today, reading paragraphs 472 to 480. One of the things I think we can appreciate about the Blessed Virgin Mary is that she performed ordinary tasks at times. I've spoken with individuals and they've always told me, you know, as a wife, as a mother, I think of Mary and how she made meals, how she cleaned the house, how she would have lived her days with Joseph and Jesus, just as I live my days with my husband and with my children. That's what a few people, a few women I've spoken with have shared with me. And today, at a very young age, Mary in the temple, a young child, it says, In the performance of works not commanded her, our queen and lady distinguished herself from other maidens by asking her teacher to be allowed to serve them all and be engaged in the humble occupation of scrubbing and cleaning the rooms and of washing the dishes. Think of the ordinariness of this. It's really an inspiration for children, I would think. Your children or grandchildren, maybe impart to them, tell them this story, that the child Mary, the mother of Jesus, sought to do her chores. Think about the child Jesus himself, how he would have been obedient to Joseph and Mary and also would have done his chores as well. Not only is it good for young people, but it's also good for us. Maybe an encouragement for us to not delay doing those things we notice around the house we need to do, but to do them readily. This example of Mary can inspire us in our daily living of our ordinary tasks. Another thing Mary did. She read much in the sacred writings of the ancients, and by means of her infused science, she was so well versed in them and in all their profound mysteries. She was much read in sacred writings. Think about your spiritual reading. Of course, the mystical city of God is a part of your spiritual reading right now. You're being inspired by these words. Think about other spiritual reading you might do during the year, maybe during the season of Lent. Do you familiarize yourself with catalogs from Catholic companies and publishers and maybe say, maybe God wants me to read one of these books? Have you visited a local Catholic bookstore perusing the shelves, seeing if a book spoke to you? Maybe that would be the book that God wants you to read in that moment. Spiritual reading. Mary in the temple, she undertook the reading of spiritual texts. We can undertake spiritual reading as well. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm honored that you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.